When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Drozd. I'm probably gonna be talking a little bit quieter this time, but probably just as fast. Why am I talking quietly? Because I'm recording this Thunder Punch Daily as part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, where every day for the month of November 2014, recording uh, an audio journal of my art day, uh, challenging myself to do this. My buddy Rob Stenzinger of interactive-storyteller.com is doing this as well. And a bunch of other people are taking it on uh, themselves. And you can find out more about this this challenge at artsoundoff.com. But it's it's late at night. Um I feel weird about being too noisy after 11 o'clock, uh, not only because I have neighbors, but because I want to be respectful to my family, uh, my wife and my cats. You know, this is this is wind down time. This is time to get ready for bed instead of time to be yucking it up all loud in a podcast. Um, gosh, you know, first observation of today, uh, Thursday, what, what is the date today? November 13th, 2014, 13 days into this art challenge. Um, first observation is there's just too much cool stuff to do sometimes. Um, you know, the, 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 every Thursday night, there's a talk. In every autumn, every Thursday night in Ann Arbor, there's a talk uh, at the Michigan Theater, the Penny Stamps Lecture Series. And uh, all these great speakers on design and arts and communication come out and do these these free talks for the public. And uh, I saw Linda Berry there a couple of years back, and it was amazing. And I've seen a lot of other really terrific talks from architects, designers, engineers, and so on. Um. But I teach a class now. Uh, this 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 fall term, I'm teaching a class at the Ann Arbor Art Center uh, on Thursday night, so I can't go to them. Um, wish I could. Next next fall for sure. I, I, I got to check if the penny stamps lectures go into the winter session. But but that's one of my one of my observations, reflections uh, for my art day is what did I do today? Well, I worked on. Uh, the RoboForce comic a little bit more. Um, now Now that all the pages uh, for the second story are inked, it's time for me to actually color and letter them. And uh, I only had four hours for art, uh, for working on freelance art today. And so that four hours was taken up with coloring, uh, what is this, page 19 of the series. So it's chapter two, but it continues on from chapter one. So it was page 16, 17, 18, 19. So I'm uh, a good ways in on the next chapter. And uh, I'm playing around a lot more with, or I'm trying to play around a lot more with uh, doing more color theory in my shading. And I'm not finding the battle easily met. What I mean is, is that I'm trying to both create richer highlight and shadow interactions for dramatic effects, but also for naturalistic effect. Meaning if the light source is yellow, then elements of the colors in the shadows will, the the shadows will have bits of purple in it as the complement to the yellow, right? That's like what you learn in painting class. And it's something I haven't, the projects I've done in the past haven't uh, offered the opportunity to do that so much. Like if you look at my old color work uh, at the front dot me, um, I was trying to do more of like an animated, the animated cartoon, like from the eighties kind of approach to it where they didn't really do a whole lot of shading on the characters. But now that I'm doing something with a little bit more richer color and when the comic comes out in a few weeks, uh, you'll see if I, if I pulled it off or not. 
uh, I'm trying to do something a little bit more, you know, stretch, stretch myself a little bit more and, and, and ask myself, okay, well, if this is my light source, what would be in, what colors would be in the shadows and how would, how would that light interact with the form with the character a little bit more trying to just up my game with coloring, but also at the same time trying to fight this battle where, okay, well, I also want to have some kind of color harmonies on the page. Well, there's a preponderance of purple in here. Um, I've got a lot of purple going on in these diff different kind of uh, abstractish backgrounds where like it's a fight scene. So there's a lot of people hitting each other and a lot of bursts in the backgrounds, very manga. Um, and so that when the, the background is a burst, then I have the latitude to just put in an expressive color, you know? So, okay, well, we're going to have like a dark, dark purple with a, a gradient of a rose red in the middle. And I'm going to flat flare that out with, with some paintbrush work, uh, maybe add a little bit of orange to it. Uh, okay. Well now I've got all this purple going on the page. How can I incorporate that purple back into some of the figure work so that the page seems to kind of hold together a little bit more, create like a kind of a color composition as well as a, a figure composition and a narrative flow. So a lot of battles you face with every comics page, we all know this. Um, and that meant that, yeah, the page, I wish it would have taken less than four hours, but it wanted to take him four hours to color and letter it. So, because uh, there was a lot of going back and forth, like, mm, 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 I don't know about that shadow. I don't know about that shadow. Let me monkey with this a little bit longer kind of thing. A lot of playing around with it. And I'm hoping that when I come out of the other end of this, this second chapter, I'll have uh, unlocked a few new tricks in coloring things like the Boulder and Fleet comic and future comics projects that I'll be working on with various publishers. After I finished coloring, or uh, when I wrapped coloring uh, with just like minutes to spare, and normally I would have recorded my Thunder Punch Daily then, but I mean, I came right up against the clock on this one. I was like, okay, well, I just finished this. Oh, crud, I've got 10 minutes to get to class because I had to teach my, my Graphic Novel Academy that I teach at the Ann Arbor Art Center. And Thursday nights are my youth night. So that's the uh, ages 9 to 12 class. Uh, it's like 12 kids in there. And uh, I trotted out uh, a tradition. I'm calling it a tradition <laughs> because I've been doing this for, I guess, like five, five or six years now. Um, I teach a, a unit or a session on where I have the kids sit down and watch an episode of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Stick with me now. And then they have to uh, watch the show and redesign three of the characters that they watched in that episode. Now, the week before, to build up to this, we did a whole session on character design where uh, we talked about how shape, body language, and color inform character. And we start, and I, and I think I reported this in the Thunder Punch Daily, actually. Um, we went through a bunch of slides of different cartoon characters, and I asked the kids what they knew about them. Uh, and I picked some that they knew and some more obscure ones, you know, like 60s characters, uh, you know, uh, out-of-the-way Marvel characters, uh, guys like, like Annihilus, right? Like, the kids aren't necessarily going to know who Annihilus is. Um, but then once they did know, like, Wolverine, Captain America, and so on, and I asked the kids, what, what do we know about these guys based on what we see? Like, what do they do with color? What do they do with shape? What do they do with body language to give us the information we need to know about who this character is? And then I set the kids down to create characters, right? And the, the lesson plan was is that they had to create... Uh, a good guy, a bad guy. Remember, these are kids. So, like, they really tend to work a lot in good and evil at that age. Uh, my teen class, I wouldn't make it this this uh, binary. But then they had to do um, a bad guy who becomes a good guy and a good guy who's revealed to be a bad guy, right? So they designed four characters and they had to use body language, shape, 
and color to contribute to the design so as to communicate those complex, relatively complex ideas um, with just an image. No words, no name. Just show me the character and I have to look at them and say, oh, that's clearly a good guy who has some evil intent underneath. And the kids actually exceeded my expectations with, with, the, with the work that they did. So that built up to the He-Man class. Um, yes, part of the lesson is me sharing my love of He-Man <laughs> with young people. Um, not always successful with that, by the way. Some, some 12-year-old boys definitely get their, their chuckles out of the fact that He-Man is running around in furry underpants and, uh, you know... Uh, the silliness of some of the premises of the show. Um, and it's also an opportunity for me just to get to watch the He-Man show on the clock, right? But it, really the big, the real agenda is, is this is to help concretize this notion of how shape, body language, and color inform character. So I, I say to them, we're to watch this show, and I hand out note cards to all the kids and pencils, I say, but you have to keep track and watch out for three characters in the show who need a redesign how would you make them your own how would you improve them and you have to look at what we know about the character in the context of the show and you have to ask what did the animators or the designers do with shape color and body language and how would you fix that how would you make that more pronounced or clearer how would you clarify that so when you see ram man um what could they have done different with his body language? What could they have done different with his shape? What could they have done different with his color to make you understand that he is this sweet, oafish guy who rams into things, right? How could you make the ramming nature of his abilities more apparent? And so on. So it really is, uh, I think, a very deep character design exercise. And it, it's something that, like, there's... Um, and this isn't something I communicate to the kids because at, at 12, at 10... This is an abstract thought, but this comes into play when you work professionally. You know, um, you are going to be called upon uh, if you work freelance to work on other people's properties from time to time. And uh, they're going to want you to uh, sometimes bring your own take to it or match somebody else's take to it. And in matching somebody else's take to it, you have to unbox what they were doing when they made those design decisions, right? In order to... Um, in order to replicate their, their design decisions, you have to understand their design decisions. So the, there's a real practical use for this as well. Um, wow, that sounded suspiciously like justifying. <laughs> uh, I'll call it explaining uh, for this episode. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a fun class. Um, it's always fun to see how kids would re, reinterpret the characters from uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And I would say, generally speaking, most of the time, that one of the major design decisions that's made, if you're wondering, is putting more clothes on everybody. Um, kids are mystified by the fact that everybody's running around in furry underpants and often with very little else on. Um, so everybody puts lots of clothes on He-Man and Tila uh, for, for whatever reason. Um, I wonder what that says about us as, as a society. Uh, because I could tell you, as a kid, I don't remember thinking about it all that hard, but that was a long time ago, so I don't know. Uh, the final item on my list today is not about me at all, but it's more about my buddy Rob Stenzinger. So Rob, if you've been following his, uh, Thunder, or his, his Polytechnicast as part of the Art Sound Off Challenge, 
Uh, he's been talking a lot about preparing for this talk he's doing at Agile Day. Uh, this talk he's, it's called Better Handoffs and Team Cohesion Across Software Disciplines. I got to get a little bit of a taste of what the talk's going to be uh, just tonight when Rob and I recorded the uh, uh, Extra Lean episode of for the Lean Entire Cast. And it, it looks like it's going to be a really great talk. And Rob, I know you're listening because you always listen. Uh, knock them dead, man. And I know you're going to. Uh, they're going to be blown away by what you got there. Uh, the, the metaphors that he came up with, the, the, the way he builds his points, uh, the, the, the visual cues that he came up with to uh, solidify and clarify and concretize the thinking that he's, he's communicating in the talk are all just great. So great, in fact, that uh, I'm hoping, and I, th- I think Rob agreed already, but, you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that we can do it for do his talk for the next Lean Into Art show, not as a talk, but more of an exploration of the talk. Because even though the title is Better Handoffs and Cohesion Across Software Disciplines, I would submit that a lot of what he's saying there is could be, you'd put better handoffs and team cohesion across client relations, um, creative collaboration, Right, like so. If you got a pencil, inker, colorist, letterer on a comic, um, a lot of things he talks about there are, would apply to you know making a comic, working freelance with an agency, um, working with between artist and writer. Um, it's it's Rob's usual brand of clarity and focus and uh, really thoughtfully constructed points, uh, but turned up to eleven. So. Um, Super excited to hear how that goes. I really cannot wait to hear how how the the talk the talk is received. So let's all wish him well, uh, and look forward to hearing the Polytechnicast that he's uh, undoubtedly going to record afterwards, collecting and reflecting on what happened there. So who am I? Jersey Droz, cartoonist and teaching artist, comicsagreat.com, boulderandfleet.com, uh, leanintoart.com, and artsoundoff.com. Go to any of those sites; they're all good. Um, the voiceover you heard at the top of this episode was by Tara Platt of BugBotPress.com. The music was by my brother, Elliot Drozd of ElliotDrozd.com, E-L-I-O-T-T. And uh, the audio hosting, if you're listening to this in a podcatcher, was uh, provided by Kablam, K-A-B-L-A-M.com, this wonderful print-on-demand service where you can print up books and sell them through the Indie Planet Fulfillment Service. You don't even have to carry an inventory. You just send them the TIFF files or PDF files and they make the books, and you sell them on your site, and they ship the books to the people. It's very convenient, and they make a great product, and I really believe in them. So I will be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily, and until then, remember everybody. It's a good thing Orko got my sword back today, or Prince Adam might never have been seen again. The rock man who took my sword thought it made him a leader, but he was wrong. A sword or any other symbol doesn't make a person a good leader. What does is intelligence, respect for others, and an unselfish desire to do good. People are proud of a leader with those qualities, so if you develop them in yourself, you could become a good leader too. See you soon.